Hey everyone, welcome to an episode of The Shot. Cheers to the father of modern astronomy. Hey. Let's go for the kiss. Table and... Oh, goddammit. <sighs> Somebody oh, spill. delicious. <laughs> that is delicious. Alright, let's do it. Ah, yeah, we got the better end of that deal anyway. Yeah, we did. Nicholas Copernicus. Hey! Good old Nicky Cops. I don't know. I, I, I was going to ask if we have a nickname for him. We, we, it's harder. Cap, uh, Cappy Caps. We have Cappy Caps. Um, well, thank you. Anyway. Copy Cops? Yeah, yeah. Copy Cops. Actually, I'm good. I'm good with anyway. Copy Cops. Anyway, a uh, fairly well-known figure in history, I would say, by most people. Well, at least they've heard the name Copernicus. Maybe they're like... I don't know what he did. Maybe it was something to do with space. We don't remember, you know, but that name kind of resonates. Well, he's a Polish dude, born in 1473. So we're going way back there. Way back. Way back. I've never heard of him as a Polish dude. Polish dude. Way back. And uh, he's known as a a Renaissance polymath, Mm -hmm. which I was like, what is a polymath? I was like, that sounds very progressive for the time. Uh, but apparently, uh, it's an individual uh, who has knowledge in a lot of different subjects, a lot of different areas. Yeah, it has nothing to do progressive. I'm just saying. Uh, he was also a Catholic canon. I don't know what that is. I'm assuming it's some sort of priestly kind of uh, position. Yeah, the they, they, shoot, they shoot verses at people. Okay, so they just... I really wanted him to have like his little Bible and get in the canon, and he they shoot him off like in the circus. <laughs> he's like, "Have you heard the good word?" Versus be a canon, that would be that would be good. All right. Well, for his schooling, he went to University of Krakow, uh, and he became a pupil of this guy, this professor Albert Brzezuski. Um, and he was a professor of Aristotelian uh, philosophy, so Aristotle, uh, and he also taught astronomy on the side, outside of class. Um, so so this is where Copernicus, uh, starts getting interested in, uh, astronomy, um, and the planets and all that. Uh, he gained knowledge, uh, in mathematical astronomy. Mathematical. Uh, Mathematical. mathematical, algebraic. Uh, and he and that was and 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 nature science and stuff through studying Aristotle, um, and uh, he's he while studying uh, ancient Greeks like Aristotle and Ptolemy, both of them have their own model of the solar system. Mm-hmm. At the time, Aristotle's was the leader; it was uh, the winner. No one really liked Ptolemy's that much, but Copernicus was looking at these and going, "Huh." These contradict the other. Uh, And so he started thinking more into it and looking at these uh, different models of the solar system. Now, Aristotle's uh, view of the solar system is a homocentric spheres. So like everything's in spheres and they just Mm -hmm. orbit the Earth uh, kind of thing. And Ptolemy used this kind of concept of eccentrics and epicycles. So everything had its own kind of little orbit right um sorry no no no. but the earth is still at the center of the solar system right right. in in both of these models right then he met a famous astronomer named domenico maria novarina nice well done 
Uh, and he became his disciple and student. So he studied under this guy. Uh, around 1500, he goes to Rome. Uh, and he, there's, there's, there's some little evidence that he may have briefly studied astrology, uh, which uh, was actually considered a medical education at this point in time. Check out our The Astrology episode for more information on that bullshit. Uh, but he never got into it. He was like, no. Well, good, good for Bullshit. him. Bullshit. Good for so, him. So, uh, uh, and he started Could making... Could some coin, though. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, he started making a lot of astronomical observations. He was observing Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and and uh, calculating their positions uh, with varying degrees of kind of errors and whatnot. Um, he uh, uh, viewed an occultation of Aldebaran, Taurus's brightest star, and also a conjunction between Saturn and the moon. Um, and so what, of course, he's most known for is basically redefining the solar system, kicking off uh, kind of almost the scientific revolution uh, right, as kind of right. a... Uh, and this new new ways of thinking about uh, our world and our universe using scientific principles and logic and everything. Well, Galileo uh, leaned on him. Right. So, so there's uh, so there's uh, actually a little bit of uh, a kind of debate between if Copernicus is the father of modern astronomy or mm. Galileo. But That's really, not a at all. it's Copernicus. It's yeah. Copernicus. Yeah, no, it's Copernicus. Uh, so essentially, while he's like doing all this studying, he's writing things down and he's co- he's creating uh, basically these uh, like kind of assumptions and arguments that that is basically saying the sun is at the center of the solar system and the planets orbit around the sun. Um, And he's actually not the first to think about this. A Greek philosopher 1800 years prior uh, named Aristarchus of Samos um, he actually yeah. created that. He he actually created the model. He actually thought of that first. Uh, but Aristotle was the like cool cat in town, and so yeah. you know uh, he got Aristotle he got the, is, as the... great as he was. He set us back a long yeah. fucking time. Yeah. Uh, so so Copernicus he compiles a sort of these uh, uh, assumptions that he's making about uh, the planets and their movements into a book. Uh, that is known as um, uh, uh, on revolutions of celestial spheres. Uh, I love that phrase. And it was actually published shortly after he had died. Yep, he waited. He waited. Or he reason. waited. Uh, although uh, apparently some dude brought like his early kind of like work, uh, it, just like his first, first, first drafts kind of to uh, the Pope, and the Pope was actually pleased by it. Yeah. Um, and like gave well, this guy like a gift for like bringing him this and whatnot. Well, well typically you don't expect a Spanish Inquisition, but Copernicus fully expected the Spanish Inquisition. Right. Yes. So, uh, so he waited. It, apparently, uh, there is a rumor that he did get to see like the final draft on his like deathbed, like right before uh, he died, though so he could like see it in its final form before mm-hmm. it was published. Um, and uh, so basically, a summary of his heliocentric model the work that he uh made these assumptions the summary is that there is no one center of all the celestial circles or spheres the center of the earth is not the center of the universe but only the center towards which heavy bodies move and the center of the lunar sphere 
You know, this is this is That's before Newton. Deeper than this is was, before, yeah. yeah. This is before Newton. All the spheres surround the sun as if it were in the middle of them all, and therefore the center of the universe is near the sun. It's close. I mean, not the center of the universe, but you know, the solar system was the universe that's, at the time. So topic, really, yeah. it he's basically correct. Uh, the ratio of the Earth's distance from the sun to the height of the firmament, outermost celestial sphere containing the stars, is so much smaller than the ratio of the Earth's radius to its distance from the sun that the distance from the Earth to the sun is imperceptible in comparison with the height of the firmament. Hell yeah. Wow. Wow, this is all before Galileo. Mm -hmm. It's all before Newton. Whatever motion appears in the firmament arises not from any motion of the firmament, but from the Earth's motion. The Earth, together with its circumjacent elements, performs a complete rotation on its fixed poles in a daily motion, while the firmament and highest heaven abide unchanged. It... uh... What appear to us as motions of the sun arise not from its motion, but from the motion of the earth and our sphere, with which we revolve about the sun like any other planet. The earth has then more than one motion. The apparent retrograde and direct motion of the planets arises not from their motion, but from the earth's. The motion of the earth alone, therefore, suffices to explain so many apparent inequalities in the heavens." I mean, he's pretty, I mean, he's sticking with that whole celestial sphere concept from Aristotle because that's so ingrained, yeah. you know. Yeah. But he's like, well, here's just a few things that are that it, are different it would, about it, and how spot would, on he is in in some of this is like, damn. It reminds me of a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the Dead, where they make all these predictions, so they're so close to being scientifically perfect, they're just missing a bit of information. Uh-huh. Like, ah, oh, yes. It's so great. It's like, you're right, you're right there. But you know what he needed? A telescope. Um, a telescope to really prove it, to really cement it as, yes, yeah. this is fact. This also is... the mathematics. And the mathematics, which Kevin Kepp's Johannes Kepler. No, Kepler hadn't, hadn't even invented it yet. You needed Newton to actually mathematically explain oh, it. Oh, oh. Yeah, you, you need calculus to explain it. Right. Okay. Damn, well, good for him. I know. I know. Uh... So, you know, I just like to say out there, a uh, a happy Father's Day to the father oh. of modern astronomy. Well done. I was kids. waiting nice. for the con- why. Okay, I was waiting for the. Uh, hey, it's more relevant. <laughs> Thanks for joining the episode. Uh, Thanks for joining us, everyone, on uh, this episode of the shot. Follow us on th- all the things. We'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>